Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 10, Episode 3, Lament My Wookiee. The book, Han Solo at Star's End, by Brian Daly. The year, 1979. With your hosts, Jeff and John, let's go! Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars Expanded Universe Novel Discussion Podcast, hosted by the two preeminent experts on all things Star Wars in all the world, me, Jeff, and that guy, John. Ooh, yeah, it's that guy. No one knows Star Wars like we do. That's right. Nobody knows it like we do, because yeah, we know it incorrectly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have our, our own weird version of what Star Wars is, and we will not brook dis- dissent. Yeah, this is what it is, and nothing shall divert us from that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let none cast asunder our opinions on what, like, Hethrier is all about. <laughs> if anybody tries to tell me that Shivp is anything but a dirtbag Floridian, they are wrong. Oh, yeah, that's 100% accurate. Shivp is a dirtbag Floridian with a hot tub and a lot of very colorful aprons, like for barbecuing. <laughs> I mean, they say some, some pretty racist stuff on a lot of them. <laughs> Uh, He's got more than one that says, like, kiss me, I'm Togrutin. That guy's not Togrutin. That's what Ahsoka is. <laughs> I think. I hope. Man, I don't know. Anyway. What do I look like? A guy that knows about Star Wars? <laughs> As the preeminent expert of all things Star Wars, John, what species is Ahsoka Tano? Uh, person. They're all mm-hmm. people. That's the, that's in, the, you know what? You're right. I, in the I eyes of the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Star God. You know. He's the one that started the Star Wars. Blessed be he. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's she's Tagruta. Apparently, Tagruta, the Tagruta people do not become Tagrutan when you're describing them. Hmm. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, okay, so we are beginning the third episode of our uh, Han Solo short story, and I'm excited because so far there's no stupid villain to hate. No, not really. It's just it's just an adventure. It's just a cool adventure with slightly different bad guys every time, which keeps you jumping, and you don't have to spend whole chapters with them while they talk about how smart they are. Yeah, it's it's real nice not to have just a villain that you have to sit around with and hear their inner monologue, because I think that's what really happened with the prequels, is that you're like, oh, Vader was great when he would just like say three lines, and then that was it. But now we get to just sit around and hear Anakin's thoughts, and we're like, dude, you're an idiot, and I don't care. Man, you are going to be a terrible supervillain. He's like, no, no, I'll be pretty cool when my voice is destroyed. But in the meantime, how about that sand? I hate it, right? Oh, God. (laughs) Hey, should I use telekinesis on a pear? What do you guys, I mean, I got nothing better to do. My thoughts are interesting. (laughs) Spinning is a good trick. Yeah, no. Spend too much time with a bad guy, and all of a sudden you're like... Oh, no, you have stupid thoughts in your head. You're not just a cool, stoic dude. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's basically true. The, <laughs> you find out pretty quickly that Anakin is basically a, a different kind of dirtbag. Yeah. I mean, even in this book, we don't get a lot of, like, and now let's figure out what Han feels about stuff because the action is always happening and stuff is going on. Like, mm-hmm. we get to see him react to things, which is neat. But we don't get the chapter where it's like, Han Solo looked into the mirror and wondered, what am I doing as a smuggler? (laughs) I'm worried about Leia, who I love and is beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, we we get to skip out on a lot of introspective and character-building stuff that they decided was so needed. Well, that shit fills page space. I think that's really the, the secret answer. Is anytime uh, you have a character just standing there while they re- like recite all of their backstory, that's 200 pages. Yeah, that's some, some shit that you don't have to worry about. Yeah, like, I don't need more plot. you by the word. <laughs> uh, okay, so <laughs> this chapter begins with, or this story begins with Han Solo more or less on approach to the agro world that he is intended to infiltrate. Yeah. Uh, with, with playing chess with uh, Bollocks. And apparently also Blue Max, although he didn't know that. Well, no, he's playing against Chewbacca. 
Yes, that's right. With uh, with Watchers bollocks. Sorry, I read that part like four days ago. Uh, with Watchers bollocks and Blue Max, uh, who are kind of going, hmm, hmm, uh, interesting choice. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, and you know, I mean, for those thing- who uh, aren't uh, binging this all at once, just just a quick recap. Uh, mm-hmm, sure. We are headed to an aggro world where Han is set to pick up some people there. He has not mm-hmm. been told exactly what they need to be picked up for, uh, and he has to make the Falcon look like a big dumpy auto freighter. And which so, it already does. It's it's got a freighter shell on it. Yeah, and so because it's supposed to be an auto freighter, they don't have to be at the controls or anything. So they're just fucking hanging out while it's on autopilot. Yes. And uh, they, they're playing Dejarik, their, their hollow chess game. Although this book is old enough that Dejarik does not exist as a word. So they're actually just playing hollow monster chess or whatever the book calls it. Yeah. It's just uh, like, I think they don't even say the name of the game. They just talk about like, oh, and Han moved his pieces this way. I do like that this book more or less confirms that Dejarik is like a 40k thing because he engages another piece in combat during his turn and then his piece loses. Yeah, he he uh, misjudged the two pieces subtle win-lose parameters. And I'm like, oh, this has like a percentage chance for stuff to happen. Is this like Monster mm-hmm. XCOM? What's going on? Yeah. And meanwhile, to confirm its board gaminess, Bollocks is standing by the sidelines just kind of making hemming and hawing noises, which is the worst thing you can do when two other people are trying to play a board game. Well, I mean, he's just like, hey, uh, hey, Han, you mind if I open up my chest real quick? Yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, Blue Max wants to tell you you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you should have used whatever defense. Oh, hey, Cl- <laughs> hey, buddy, if you if you would use the different defense, you might have won there. Hi, Aquaman. You see, hey, I, I, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, good. That's the perfect voice for Blue Max. I'm glad we've decided. <laughs> oh, Blue Max. So, Blue Max is very young and does not know well enough to just be quiet while other people try to play chess. Yeah. So, Han bristles at this, and he's like, oh, come on, shut up, you stupid little robo. What do you even know? Yeah, and I mean, Han, we kind of established that he doesn't like droids in the previous episode. When yes. he gets told that he's going to have a droid on his ship. but He's, he's never just, been a fan. He just appears to be completely pissed off at them from the word go. Because, like, yeah, the second true. they're like, hey, oh, you maybe you should have considered this. He's like, fuck you. Oh, sorry, just trying to be of assistance. Why don't you go fuck yourself? Like, I'll throw dang. you out the airlock if you're of assistance again, I swear to God. Like, whoa, Han, chill the fuck out. I will not. <laughs> Fucking droids going around taking all the jobs. <laughs> Bollocks, he's great. You should listen to him. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's... <laughs> impressionable blue max becomes anti-droid by the end of this book <laughs> i'm a go- i'm one of the good ones yeah i'm not taking anyone's I- job i'm in the young humans club <laughs> uh so yeah we get a little bit of uh bollocks's backstory for some reason now it is kind of cute it's it's a uh, maudlin basically Bollocks has gone from world to world. Han accuses him of being a boring droid who's never done anything interesting. Yeah, he's like, how would you know anything, you little pick-and-shovel droid? Mm-hmm. Which, again, come on, Han, tone it down a notch. Yeah. Going after this guy just because he's like a blue-collar droid. I know, right? <laughs> well, you only want to talk to fancy droids that, like, work in sex dungeons or whatever? Come on, man. <laughs> what, you think just because this droid does manual labor, he doesn't know how to play Dejarik? That is racist. <laughs> that is that is racist and classist, Han. And you've got no place to throw stones, given that you are a very criminal smuggler who doesn't even have a waiver. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, we get the backstory on, on Bollocks, because Bollocks is like, ah, oh, you're probably right. I guess I'm just a boring old droid. I've had 15 super interesting jobs, and here they are. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I've been all ground this uh, great big galaxy shoveling and digging and manual laboring wherever i can and anytime anyone is like oh we need a droid to volunteer for some modifications i'll do it because i'm just i just want to work all i want to do is put my eight hours in and, and really be a part of society 
I mean, realistically, what he's what he's really getting at is he's an old droid and he fears obsolescence. Well, yeah, because he's like, eventually, it didn't even matter that I had gotten a whole bunch of like upgrades and weird replacement parts and like specific things for certain jobs. Eventually, just new droids were better than him baseline and there was no way he could keep up with that so that's why he took this job because he's like man as long as it keeps me out of the scrap heap you can dig out my insides and put a weird little monster in there it's interesting to me that and this is this is a running theme throughout all of the expanded universe books we've read so far it seems like droid technology is the only one that's accelerating like if you think of the the Falcon at, by the time of Star Wars the movies is like seventy years old, like it's a seventy year old ship they're flying around in. Oh yeah, and, bla- and blast blasters I mean, have been the same for four thousand years. Oh yeah, I mean especially once we got like any Knights of the Old Republic stuff, because mm-hmm. at that point you're like, oh, they had the exact same shit back then. Like yeah, the ships barely the- change. If you play as the smuggler in the Knights of the Old Republic MMO, you basically get the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. I mean, it's the same fucking ship. It is. So just one of those things where you're like, oh, yeah, no technology really progresses in, I'd say, 5,000 years that we've seen, except for occasionally droids. But and every time then, you meet a droid, they're always like, oh, no, a new droid has been invented. One that's got real human skin. And you're like, how come people are inventing new droids? I thought this was like an endless Dark Ages thing. Yeah. I, the thing is, even back in like Old Republic times, you'd get things where they're like, oh, and here's a new better droid. And I go, yeah, that's a new better droid than they would have in the current timeline. Like, what it's is true. happening right now? <laughs> I mean, granted, it's probably that some sort of climactic event happened and there was 3,000 years of even darker Dark Ages. Uh, but but uh, And then they started rebuilding about 200 years before the books that, or, or the uh, cl- uh, Old Republic era. Hooray. Yeah, I mean, if you're uh, playing but, as a trooper in the Old Republic game, you get Jingoism droid and he's great, but is like massive and powerful and badass and just sort of better than most battle droids you would see nowadays. I think one of my favorite bits of technology where you can see the evolution of it is that if you go back about 25,000 years from Star Wars, the, the episode four, lightsabers have little strings that ca- are plugs that connect to a, a hip back uh, battery. Hmm. So like 20,000 years ago, the whole concept of, you know, a focused light beam that you could use as a sword uh, totally existed and was a fine thing. But battery technology wasn't quite there yet. So they had to carry around a big clunky battery and connect via means of a curly telephone cord to their lightsaber. <laughs> uh, it's it's good. It's very good. It's interesting to think about the parts of Star Wars that have moved forward over the over the uh, millennia. Anyway, we find out some really neat places that Bollocks has worked over the course of his life. Uh, I think one of them was he has previously worked in, in a menagerie. Yeah, no, he did a whole bunch of like... Uh, construction work on shipyards. He worked in a menagerie. He's been aroused about for that. Uh, he did weather control systems, planet survey, like whatever I'm, it was, he did it. The one I was the most curious about was when he was a, a, a maintenance helper in the Trigdale Founderies. Yeah, man. And, them Trigdale. And I'm not sure what, but I'm not sure what a foundry is. Yeah, it's a foundry. No, no, foundry doesn't have an A in the middle. This is a foundary. Yeah, foundry. Yeah, it's a foundry. It's a place where they find stuff. <laughs> ah, yes. I see you've come to the foundry. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's the foundry. You can only come here if you have previously found something. <laughs> well, once you find the foundry, it's been found. Then it's the foundry. Well, you've turned the foundry into the foundry. We were wondering if someone ever would. <laughs> God. Man, <laughs> if you worked there, how often do you think you would make that joke? If you worked at a foundry... Like, how many found jokes would you make? I mean, if you worked in a foundry or a foundari. Because I, I mean, I, I think in a, a foundari, I think you do it all the time because otherwise you've got nothing else going on. Like, I don't even know what else you would be doing there, especially not in fucking Trigdale. That shit, that place is a hole. <laughs> Man, ain't nobody going to Trigdale anymore. Trigdale is the kind of dirtbag that Anakin is. <laughs> you know, like if, uh, if Sheev is from a, a Florida dirtbag, then Anakin is definitely like a Trigdale dirtbag. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know he's technically from Moz Eisley, blah, 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 or 
Moss Espo, whatever. I don't care. But um, <laughs> but realistically, I, I think that the actual line between Anakin and 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 uh, Palpatine between and Sheev is <laughs> that Sheev's from Florida and Anakin's like from Flagstaff. Yes, he's it's, like a Flagstaff asshole. No, because he's one of those desert dirtbags. There's yeah, a very exactly. big difference between like a, a sort of tropical dirtbag that you get from Florida and a desert dirtbag. Yeah, it's your beach versus desert dirtbag. Uh, it's a match made in heaven in terms of how they found each other, and one of them eventually killed the other one. <laughs> uh, God bless him. Yep. Well, anyway, it's about time to make approach on the planet. Yeah. But, I mean, I will mention... Han spends like three pages getting increasingly pissed at Bollocks as Bollocks clowns him. Oh, yeah. No, every t- the uh, the smuggler conversation is great because he's like getting madder and madder because every time he insults Bollocks, Bollocks just accepts it and treats it le- literally. He's like, you're just a pick and shovel droid. Yes, sir, I am. I have been a pick and shovel droid in 15 magical locations. I'm 300 years old and I always just try to do my best. Yeah. And so eventually he's just like, Bollocks, you know what you are? Yes, a smuggler. I'm a smuggler. You know, just like you. Oh, fuck you. (laughs) This pisses off Han to a degree that I don't think anyone has a... uh... (laughs) It's incredible how mad he is. He's like, how dare you call yourself a smuggler? And he's like, no, but I am. By definition, I am carrying illegal cargo in a hidden compartment on me. Yeah, and at this point, Chewie is dying with laughter. He is holding his midsection, rolling around, just being like, oh my god, Han, you're getting clowned on by an ancient service droid. This is amazing. It's like watching a guy lose a fight with one of those chat bots. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think about you are a fuckwad? <laughs> uh, anyway, yes. They they get anyway. the alarm that says they are on the approach to Orin 3. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to be one of our first ever in Star Wars aggro worlds, which is a whole planet where all they do is grow wheat everywhere all the time. Yeah, they're like, hey, it's got great stable seasons. We got a whole bunch of good soil. Let's just turn this whole planet into a farm planet. Now, this is the kind of, uh, you know, Star Wars is famous for every planet having one biome. Yeah, I mean, at least we did see one with multiple so far. No, I'm not complaining. What I'm saying is that this is a great application of the single biome Star Wars thing, because this is purpose-driven. Someone was like, hey, this planet's nice. Why don't we turn the whole last thing into a farm? And then they did it. Because that's one of those things where you're like, yeah, it makes sense if someone showed up to a planet and said, I'm going to use this for a purpose, and then did so. But when you're like, I show up to a planet, and it only does one thing, and no one else made it do that. You're like, that's odd. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's neat that this ag- it's agro world makes a lot more sense, basically. And again, they don't have to do anything here. The The drone shell is going to do all of the communication with the planet, and it's going to automatically land itself. Yep. Uh, so they're get, basically just hoping to meet someone on the ship, on the outside of the ship. Yeah, we get a little bit where Hans thinks he sees a big blip in orbit, and then it's gone. And I assume that is foreshadowing for something when they try to leave. Yeah, I'm pretty sure about that, too. Uh, it, it's going to because it doesn't show up again in this chapter. He just goes, oh, there's something big out in the atmosphere or, or the uh, orbit. There. Oh, never mind. It's gone. Whatever. I, it is, I can't it's exactly, on the other side of the you planet. know, take us out of the uh, predetermined course we're on to go check it out. So, oh, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they land and sure. Right as right as Chewbacca is asking Han how the hell the next step goes forward. There's a like a knock on the door, basically. Yeah. Like, so what's the next step? Knock, knock, knock. All right. Well, guns out, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Hopefully that's the next step. And, you know, even though they all have their guns drawn, it is indeed the next step. It's it's their contact on the planet. A fella by the name of Recon. Yeah, I reckon. So Recon is a fascinating character because, and you can stop me, John, if you thought, if you know of one. I don't think that any of the Expanded Universe books outside of this one have ever introduced a new black guy. Yeah, we got a new black guy and he is amazing he first of all can we say he's all he's not only a new black guy but he's a new black guy that is not related to uh lando calrissian or mace windu in any uh, way or finn i guess yeah i i know that there's there's you know one black guy per uh per movie trilogy but but now 
normally the expanded universe is like, well, we have to make copies of Luke and Han, basically. That's all we can really do is copies of Luke, copies of Han, an obvious copy of Leia named Winter. But Yeah, but this, this was written before Lando. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think this stuff counts as uh, expanded universe. I'm pretty sure what we're reading right now is of a series of books called like Star Wars Classics or something. But anyway, Recon is a big dude who is uh, a little older, like he's got gray hair. Uh, he's very tall. He's very dark. And uh, as we're going to learn throughout the course of the chapter, he is hyper competent and really, really neat. Yeah, he's super strong. He's super smart. And he's just sort of charming as well. Mm hmm. So, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, big fan of this guy. He's an interesting character right off the bat. Uh, in my head canon, I was thinking you'd make a good, uh, Chiwetelli Geofor would make a good guy, good version of this guy. In my head, I kept hearing his voice as Benjamin Sisko. Oh, you want, okay, sure. Like a, like a somewhat younger, if, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? It starts with an A, it's killing me now. Avery Brooks. Yeah. If, uh, <clears throat> if Avery, Avery Brooks would be a good choice too. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, he's got some white streaks in his hair and beard. He's, uh, very commanding and charismatic. And I was just like, this dude needs to be in charge of shit because he's rad. Well, good news. He is in charge of shit. He's in charge, as we learn right away, of a little resistance cell that is here on the planet because the planet is not just a giant farm, but also because they had a lot of spare land. They just stuck a giant computer data center here. Yeah, they're uh, like, you know, here. we got land. We may as well put a data center here because, you know, we had to put a port here for things anyway. Just put some computer servers down there. And it makes sense, because since the planet is super temperate and doesn't really seem to have storm seasons or anything, the the you can plunk down a prefab building and it will just sit there for hundreds of years with no maintenance required. And I mean, since we know that there are weather control machines, they don't have to worry about it, because they're just like, we're just going to make it whatever the fuck we want it to be forever. So, meh. Exactly. Uh, but he wants to raid the data center, because as he lets Han know... Uh, he is part of a uh, kind of rebel sect that is looking for lost family members. Apparently, there's a conspiracy going around that uh, the Confederate authorities, the, the corporate sector authority, excuse me, is kidnapping dissidents yeah. and just disappearing them. And, you know, that immediately is like, oh, I get why Jessa was helping you. OK, I, I see now she wants you to find her dad, too. Yeah, but, exactly. You know, he's just like, yeah, yeah. Uh, randomly people have started going missing i'm kind of in charge of this group because i'm the smartest person and i've been putting together the bits and pieces to like form a pattern he's also been around for a long time like uh, his nephew went missing and he immediately went into action on his own because he was smart enough to see the pattern but seeing the pattern revealed to him more people who are missing relatives who have been joining up with him yeah and that's when he drops the big news on Han, that Han and the, and the whole gang have to come with him. Han's whole thought was, I'm going to land on this planet, some dissidents or whatever are going to get in my ship, and I'm going to leave again, and I'll drop them off somewhere else. Yeah, but he's like, Recon's oh, we gotta, we got to get, you know, someone comes in, takes bollocks, gets information, brings them back, and we leave. Mm -hmm. But uh, instead, they're like, no, they're going to like do a radiation sweep to make sure that your uh, ship is clean before they you know, put food in there. So don't die. Please come yeah, with me. You, <laughs> you, you can't just hang around and say you're waiting to get back on the ship because you're not supposed to be on the ship. It's supposed to be a drone barge. Yeah, you ain't got clearance to be here at all. I had to manufacture clearance. So here's how this is going to work. You're going to come with me on the raid. We're going to pick up the other three people in my group, and then we're going to leave, and it'll all be simple, except for a detail. One of them has betrayed me, and I need you an impartial observer to suss out which. And I need you, Han Poirot Solo, to <laughs> figure it out. Come shoe. Uh, yeah, he's like, look, we used to have like six people here. Now we're down to three because we keep having people die on us mysteriously. And that's, you know, not a thing that generally happens around here. So it's definitely the work of like an assassin because they're not when they die, it's not in raids like the police aren't coming and cracking down on our establishment. They're just dead in their houses or they disappear. Yeah. 
This isn't like, oh, oops, he fell into a combine or whatever. They are being murdered. Yeah. So it's got to be one of the two remaining adults that because there's a child that's going to be coming with them as well. But it's got to be one of the two remaining adults who's betrayed me. And it's up to you to figure out which one. Yeah. And it's probably the one that's going to greet me with a kiss. Oh, wait, I think it's three, isn't it? It's just that one of them never shows up. Well, the other one, they find out when they get there that he is also dead. Yeah, there was a third one, Egert or something like that, but you never even get to meet him. He was just mentioned as alive and then not alive. (laughs) He was alive and now not so much. Mm -hmm. Now, Han is deeply pissed about all of this. So he's like, what the fuck? No, I'm not going with you. I'm going to stay on my goddamn ship. But this Recon dude is very smart, has everything planned out already. He's like, hey, hey, you can't stay on the ship. You'll die to radiation. Also, you're probably going to want these badges I have that say you should be here. And hey, why don't you just come with me? Because you have no alternatives. <laughs> and, you know, they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get a little bag because they're like, well, we can't be seen walking around with weapons. So they get like a tool bag and throw their guns in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they'll head off with Reckon. Yeah, they're going to hop on a lift or something and head to the, uh, the the data center, which is a massive edifice building that has multiple floors. And <laughs> amusingly, I don't think I've ever seen this particular chunk of technology in Star Wars before. Uh, Jetson-style get-in-the-lift things. You know, those, like, tubes, like from Futurama. Oh, yeah, they've just got Futurama tubes where... You get in, and there's a field that moves you around. So it's not like, oh, you stand on a thing and it moves you about. It's just you go into a tube, and when you want to leave, you, like, point yourself in an off-ramp. Yep. So it's like a vertical sky highway that that runs. Apparently, there's a breeze in there, but it can't be running off wind. It's got to just be force field stuff. Yeah, (laughs) because otherwise that would be real weird and unpleasant. Well, yeah, enough wind to to lift you off the ground would probably be enough wind to really hurt you as well. Yeah, you'd have to be like, all right, well, I got to get a big, like, parachute-type thing around me every time I go in the elevator. And imagine Boy, how I sure am glad we use this technology. <laughs> that would be so untrustworthy. If you miss your on-ramp, you just hit that fan in the ceiling. <laughs> you got to burp, Charlie! I mean, the fun thing about elevators is that once you get in them and press a button, you can look at your fucking phone for the rest of that ride. You don't have to pay attention to make sure you don't die. Yeah, you hit a button and you're good. In this one, you have to, like, pay attention, like, oh, okay, well, another half mile and we got our on-ramp coming. We got to make sure we get in the lane for the 15. It's the future. You have to navigate the elevator. Yay. Uh, anyway, I just figured that was some technology that was worth talking about, but they make it up to their top floor where they're supposed to be, uh, head to a room and do a secret knock. And that's because there's a person in there already who is waiting for them to, no, wait, I'm sorry. No, the there two is people not. show up afterwards. <laughs> they're alone still. Yeah, uh, that's why, instead, that's why I was like, wait, what? Secret knock? What are you talking about? Well, there is still a part where Torm, I, I just transpired or transposed to my head who's in the room for when Torm shows up. Yeah. When they get there, uh... You know, Reckon just takes Blue Max out and is like, oh, well, aren't you cute as the Dickens? Let's get you all hooked up and have you completely download and process all of the data here. He's like, Uh, all right, I love it. Here's another fun thing about Reckon. He immediately notes that the droids need to feel loved. Yeah, he's just like, hey, both of you, you're doing great jobs. Good for you. You know Mm -hmm. what? You guys are going to get a oil bath after this. I hope no one's been mean to you recently, because that person would suck ass. <laughs> they would be the worst. Don't you agree, Han? Fucking hate dr- uh, yes. Yes, uh. that would be awful. <laughs> <laughs> and I will definitely not kill them the moment you're not looking. Uh, so, yeah. Reckon is just sort of the best person. Yeah, and he's a great dude. So they set uh, Blue off to go essentially collate all the information he can get, because he's like... We know that they're taking them somewhere because they aren't just killing them. If they were killing the dissidents, they wouldn't bother to disappear them. Right. And also, we can't just look for a file called, like, people we have blacklisted uh, disappeared because that's not the kind of file that the the Confederate, or I keep saying Confederate, that the corporate sector would actually make. So instead, you need to, like, look around the margins for weird anomalies in shipping records and troop movements and so on to try and spot unusual things, which, when viewed as a whole, might tell a story. 
Yeah, so, you know, you see some shipment that's like, oh, it said it was going over here, but it took like five days longer to go, and the nav record said it was going through this route. And you're like, okay, if we cross-reference everything, we can kind of figure out where this black site should be. I was really kind of hoping that, that Blue Max would be like, hey, I tried to do the, like, looking around for data to put the pieces together, and then I found a folder just lo- called Kidnapped People and Their Locations. Uh, it turns out that the corporate sector just has unchecked authority, and therefore they don't need to hide their shit. I, just just in case you were curious. Turns out none of them care, and they'll do whatever they want. The password was corporate sector authority. <laughs> the password was greed is good. <laughs> The password was guest. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> I don't know why you guys thought they would try. Uh, but yeah, at this point, Torm shows up, the second in command. Mm-hmm. Torm, the very obvious bad guy, because Recon couldn't be the bad guy. He's too nice. And as we'll learn in a second, Atuare, the third character, is sexy. Well, she's hot for a cat person, and she mm-hmm. has a, like very sad traumatized child mm-hmm. yes but first we have to meet torm torm comes in he's immediately like who the fuck are those two what the hell is going on man i'm torm you're definitely gonna see me dead in like two chapters i bet hmm, hmm, hmm. uh i mean it doesn't come up in this chapter but it's really obvious uh torm is just a boring human who's very very edgy and nervous and uh he settles right in and gets ready to start leaving. Uh, and then they continue waiting for Blue Max to call out data. And as they do that, Atuare shows up. She's Triani, which if you had hung around for our bonus content two or three episodes ago, uh, I, I actually went over this species. Yeah, it's uh, Orpheus's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's Triana Orpheus. <laughs> A portal to the necropolis, but you Dad. need a bedroom on the south side of... <laughs> I haven't been able to sleep in years, Dad. I've been wearing the same outfit. <laughs> That's not normal. Uh, anyway, God, I really wish that show would come back someday to see if they are, they ever do anything with her again. Yeah, well. Anyhow, um, she's got her cub, Paka, who has been tortured in a corporate sector authority facility uh, to the point where he no longer speaks. Yeah, they disappeared her mate and then questioned the child so, like, aggressively that he's like, nope, I'm mute now. So, I'll never uh, talk again. Except for this, explaining that I won't. <laughs> and now I'm going to stop right now. As soon as I'm done talking, that's when I'll never start talking again. And here we go in one, two. You know another thing about having been kidnapped and tortured? <laughs> Uh, uh, but they're very cute. Uh, Han is immediately like, wow, for a cat lady, she is super sexy. Plus, because she's covered in fur, no clothes. Bonus. Hey, she's just Inter- wearing a belt. Interesting note. Uh, I went and looked up the Triani again just to confirm that, yes, I did a bonus content on them a while ago. Uh, it mentions specifically that although Han says that she's naked and that by extension all Triani are naked, there is no art of naked Triani. They are always drawn with clothes on. Uh, presumably because Star Wars back in the 80s when they were building the role-playing games didn't want to convey nudity? I guess. I mean, I think it's because if you have a animal-like, like, anthropomorphized creature, if they have clothes, then they're civilized, and without clothes, it's sort of like a monster. I mean, they describe her in this chapter as being, like, ample and supple a few times, which is basically Star Wars book words for she got boobies. I mean, you never know. He could actually just be saying, like, oh, no, she's very limber because she's a cat. Yeah, but limber and ample are different words. Ample is, in novels, is always about the titties. (laughs) Anytime Anytime a lady is described as ample or supple... I mean, supple, sure, supple sometimes means, like, lithe, but ample, that's always a bounty of tit. (laughs) An embarrassment of titties. Yeah. I mean, I guess it could also be about the booty, but that still means that she's got a big ol' ass. It's one or the other, or both. I mean, they get around this with Mala by literally giving her an apron and also by making her just a Chewbacca costume, so there's no question about whether Wookiee Lady's got the big bap. (laughs) Oh, good. Uh. 
but anyway, yeah. So Triani presumably has, you know, cat tits, which they have to get around by, you know, putting clothes on all the actual fe- art of Triani that comes up in the future. So she's, uh, she's a little nicer than Torm. Yeah. But ultimately, neither of these characters get a whole, and Paka gets nothing, but none of these adult characters get any real character development here. They're just introduced so that Han can start being suspicious of them, as is his role. Yeah. And I mean, we get a little bit more of the kind of like classic Han banter with someone who's actually got ideals where he's like, oh, it was so good of you to come here and, you know, risk things in order to help us out. And he's like, whoa, 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 I'm just a businessman and this is business. I'm doing it for the money. And he's like, ha ha ha, sure you are. You keep telling yourself that. Yeah, Recon in particular is great about this kind of stuff because when Han's like, hey, buddy, don't you lump me into your weird cause. I'm a criminal and I've got to do hot criminal business. I'm just out there for the money. And Recon's like, hey, you know, uh, if you weren't opposed to the corporate sector authority, you could have just gotten a lucrative job with them at any time in the past 10 years and you didn't. Yeah, he's like, "If, if you think that the corporate authority is the winners in this, you probably should be playing their game instead of being against them. Also, I understand you have ideals and you have to pretend you don't because then it means you won't get made fun of by idiots. It's okay. Don't worry. And Reckon <laughs> is just like, yo, I got your fucking number 100%. I mean, Reckon was probably like, all right, look, you already got owned in this chapter by a walking box. I, <laughs> don't step to me. I'm a university professor with super hands. <laughs> <laughs> so Han's kind of just gets cowed by that. And, and again, it's a great scene for Chewbacca to fucking laugh at Han, which is great. And it keeps happening. Yeah. <laughs> so deflated Han is deflated. Uh, Blue Max eventually pipes up and is like, hey, I figured some stuff out. I've got all kinds of cool data. Also, by the way, speaking of data, I discovered that they're onto us and they're flooding the building right now. Yeah. He's like, oh, BT dubs. It may be interesting to know that. Uh, police are on the way. <laughs> and they're like, oh, shit, we're boned. And, and Blue Max, to his credit, is immediately like, no, we're not. I'll just set off every alarm on the planet. And they'll get super distracted by that, and we can sneak on by. He's like, I read their operations manual, and it says if certain alarms go off, they have to go check them first. So I'll just set everything off. Then they'll have to check and everything. On, and it went on to say, hi, Aquaman. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, big old beer. <laughs> so so Han's just like yeah great do that go ahead and do that that's perfect uh, so indeed Blue Max does it he sets off all kinds of different alarms all over the planet yeah so just great, well- every everything from like there's riots to there's someone being drunk and disorderly to like any type of imaginable thing he's like mm-hmm. yeah I just set everything off yeah <laughs> They've got a lot of weird alarms on this planet. This it's weird that you'd have an al- Yeah, I was like, it's weird that you'd have an alarm for someone doing it, like inappropriate exposure in public, but I guess they want to just sound the sirens for someone's dick. Put your dick away. Put your <laughs> dick away. Beep boop. No dicks out. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me check to see if Harambe has died. <laughs> It is 1979. Harambe is still alive. Dicks away. (laughs) Or maybe not born yet. I don't know how old Harambe was. Who knows? Old Harambe. Yeah. Anyway, put your dicks away for Harambe. (laughs) And uh, then Blue Max sketches out two possible exit vectors. There's one on the uh, the floor they're on, and there's one on the floor above. And he's like, yeah, you know, given the way that the uh, various troops were coming in and moving and the alarms that I set off. Basically, these are the two routes that are most likely to have had people diverted from them. Right. And to to simplify matters, one of them is safe and the other one isn't. So they try to take the safe one and oh, no, it isn't safe. Yeah. They're like, well, one Uh, is here and one is a floor above. We'll try the one here. No. Yeah. So they try the one here and thankfully Bollocks is there because he's a very smart droid named after Balls. And uh, he's like, hey, you should let me walk in front. I'm just some nondescript, crappy-looking droid. They're not going to give a shit if they find me, and they're not going to shoot me. Yeah. If if some lumpy idiot droid comes stomping down the hallway, they're going to be like, hey, uh, what's your deal, my man? And not, I, let's kill that guy. What are you doing here? I am a smuggler. Ah, oh, shit. Ah, god damn it. Oh, I mean, not at that point. Blue Max <laughs> is out of him. 
<laughs> well, he still has a secret compartment. I mean, a smuggler is a smuggler, whether or not they currently have cargo. Mm, are they, though? Uh, yes. I mean... I'm a podcaster, whether or not I'm talking to you on a mic at the moment, right? Yeah, but Aren't if I, I if I, I write one thing, am I a writer? Yeah. Forever. No, no, no. Uh, hang on, hang on. If you get paid for writing one thing. Well, it's not like Bollocks is getting paid. I mean, he is in not being obsolete. <laughs> You're getting paid in not death. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's the only currency that most droids spe- uh, think in, so it makes sense. Yeah. Besides, John, you are a writer. You wrote A Dragon Walks Into a Bar, 250-plus jokes, jokes that are guaranteed to slay. It's true. In stores that you can't go to now. <laughs> yes, it is definitely in stores that are closed. Now, are the stores closed because our book was so bad? Probably, Maybe. yes. Yes, yeah. I think we personally led to the death of several small bookstores across the country. Yes, we murdered and- them. And for that, we apologize. But do watch for our second book in stores this holiday season. <laughs> what <laughs> new horrible thing will we unleash upon the earth this time? Uh, it's true. We did just finish writing another one. <laughs> Can't give you any details yet, though, but they will be coming soon. Uh, anyway, so yes, they have to escape. They can't go down that way. But at least Bollocks is like so far ahead that they can hear him meet the opposition up there, and they're like, hey, droid, what are you doing here? And they're like, all right, well, fuck it, we'll turn around. And luckily he doesn't just answer, distracting you, I am a smuggler. <laughs> no, Bollocks is like, smart. <laughs> no, he's smart, so he's just like, uh, I am useless. I am a labor droid that is scared by alarm sounds. Oh no, what should I be doing, humans? Should I pack my chest plastron with wheat? Would that amuse you? Uh, so now they got to go up to the second floor. I am skilled in over two forms of communication. <laughs> One of them is Banjo. <laughs> three of them are Banjo. <laughs> I'm skilled in two forms of communication and three of them are Banjo. <laughs> okay, this guy's an annoying distraction. Let's get rid of him. But <laughs> the, so, so the rest of the gang goes up a floor and then makes it outside where they are about to jump down the lift to freedom. But the lifts are turned off. Yeah. And, uh, you know, unlike uh, elevator shaft where you could, like, kind of climb down it, this is just a big tube with no energy to move you. So if you jump in there, you die. Yeah, once again, the future is wonderful with these <laughs> these horrible tubes and no stairs. Yeah. It's great to know that in the future, if there were to be any sort of power outage, everyone on their elevator would die. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, this elevator is just a series of tubes that will murder yeah. you. Yeah, there's there's no like, oh, yeah, there's uh, like little bits where you would be able to hold on to, or in case of emergency, we shut down certain levels. Nope, you just fall to your death. You'd think that the tube would basically have like a uh, a system where if it loses power, little slots slide open on the wall and a ladder is formed there. Maybe. Right? Just, I mean, just it's not going like, to do any good for you if you're like, I'm going up to level 43 and I'm on level 38. The power went out. Well, I'm falling. I guess I mean, I'll try. Might. Oh, nope. I broke my hand. You might still have some forward momentum giving you, you know, a split second to grab the ladder before gravity takes over and you're falling too fast. Yeah, but how much do you think you're paying attention to that? I guess true. You're going to be really startled when the ladder in front of you suddenly appears. So that that's a fair point. That's a fair point indeed. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's a bad idea. It's it's dumb, stupid technology for idiots. Tubes bad. Yeah. I think we've come out here officially on System Mastery as being anti-tube. That's right. No tubes here. No, no tubes. We don't like tubes. We don't talk about tubes. We're cool with penises. Never tubes. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, this is a Recon job. So Recon and Blue Max start working to fix the tubes. Uh, unfortunately, some Espo sh- soldiers show up to try and, you know, kill them, but uh, all of them are rapidly dispatched. Yeah, there's, I mean, before they even get there, there are some at the tube that they mm-hmm. have to murder, but, uh, then they're like, oh, well, at least the guys at the tube that we killed had, like, a gun with a shield on it, <laughs> so we can use that. Yeah, that is useful for them, but, you know, they run up behind these guys and just murder them out outright, and... You'd think those guys would be turned around and be like, hey, guys, careful, the tube's out. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't get to find out. They get murdered. Uh, Eventually, Blue Max manages to fix the tube, 
but it's not looking like it's going to be an especially successful escape because there's too many guys uh, bearing down on them from a variety of directions. There's people down at the bottom waiting for them and so on. And that's when a new alarm sounds. Yeah. Because, you know, they're like, well, even if we get into the tube, they could turn the power off again or just shoot us from above. So yeah, plus the tube is see-through, so they could just shoot us right through the wall of the tube. Then the alarm goes off that is there's a radiation leak, which is not one of the alarms that Blue Max had originally set off, which no, is weird, yeah. given that he no, said he, he set all of them off. Yeah, well, he set different ones off in different locations, but it, I guess there was a point where he took a second and listed every single alarm he set off. Because, Well, you know, he's with them, so when it goes off, he could have just, just been the one to be like, I didn't set that one! Not oh, mine. no! <laughs> But, but yeah. uh, the the alarm, go- the hard radiation alarm goes off and Han is like, well, great. Uh, that means we're already dead. Yeah. He's so. like, well, there's no way we can go anywhere because, you know, we'll be killed by any of the security forces. But if we stay here, we will die to radiation. So uh, good job, everyone. Thanks for coming. Uh, mm-hmm. We're all dead. <laughs> yep. Uh, Chewy, next time I get the bright idea of helping anyone with anything, tell me not to. And Chewie's like, I will tell you not to. Very good idea. And then here comes Bollocks lumbering down the hallway, blasting the hard radiation alert as loud as he can. Yeah. I was like, dude, Bollocks, you're great. Bollocks is gr- For a droid named after testes, he is rad as hell. Oh, yeah. I mean, never mind that he's named Bollocks. No, no, never. <laughs> no, you should never mind the Bollocks. You should just trust that he will do a good job. Indeed. Mm-hmm. I've heard he's a Ligma series droid. <laughs> What's a droid? Ligma bollocks. <laughs> <sighs> okay. The, the tube, they get the tube working and everybody jumps down. Uh, Recon is very quick in mentioning that Han, or noti- motioning that Han should go down last so that he, there are no betrayers left behind. Yeah, I mean, this entire time, they've basically been trying their best to cover that so like when they were going down the hall to begin with chewy took over the rear slot so that you know he could do rear guard but also watch out for anyone now han's gonna go in last like recon is very much like i would like the dudes that are you know trained smugglers and mercenaries and whatnot to actually watch my ass Oh, by the way, it might come up because, you know, Recon does survive this chapter, so it might be important in the future to mention why he's doing all this find lost relative shit. Uh, his nephew kind of got all activist about not liking the corporate sector and got disappeared. Yeah, he went uh, like full Bernie Sanders. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was like, hey, uh, so I'm I'm at this university and I just realized capitalism bad. <laughs> Hey, it's my first day of college, and I just realized that everything sucks. I I just realized that this is an entire system meant to exploit workers for the benefit of a few. Uh, yeah, that is that's why it's called the corporate sector. It was literally founded on the principle of exploiting workers. Like, we don't even have the oh no, we've got ideals, and we we just think capitalism is good. No, this is literally the capitalism area of the galaxy yeah it's not like these people have a football team they root for no one's hoisting the proud flag of corporonia (laughs) (laughs) but yeah he was like oh well it's time to start my like college socialism club and then he got disappeared real quick yeah now uh recon is a college professor so he was the he noticed right away and was like well now i'm going to dedicate my life to solving that problem which, yeah. good thing for me, I'm a hyper-competent, super-strong, extra-intelligent badass. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. He's uh, like, it's a good thing that, you know, I have, like, 12 doctorates, and also I am yoked. I mean, this dude is just, like, the Doc Samson of this world. Or Doc Savage, excuse me. Doc Samson would imply <laughs> that he has green hair. I mean, he might. He might also have green hair. We're not saying he doesn't. He might have Hulk blood. I don't know for sure. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> I mean, does Doc Samson have Hulk blood? I, Doc Samson's one of those exceedingly minor Marvel characters where I don't know what the fuck his powers came from. No, I mean, it's still Gamma, but it's not Hulk blood. It's just She-Hulk that got it from Hulk blood. Yeah, she's the transfusion one. So I guess that, what, was was uh, Doc Samson, like, standing behind Bruce Banner when the bomb went off? No, it was just, you know, Gamma radiation tends to do this stuff to people. It's just he didn't yeah. get 
a huge exposure to it. Uh, yeah, he got way less because all he got was green hair and less super strength, right? Yeah, he's just like, oh, I'm basically like a shitty regular guy Hulk. Right. Where he's Doc Savage is one of those like Bronze Age dudes who's just like tan and always dresses like an archaeologist and punches brown people. <laughs> yeah, right? you know, so, one of those. Yeah, so so he's more like one of those, one of those hyper-competent, super smart dudes from like the 1930s of comics. Oh, yeah, this guy is very much a pulp hero. Mm-hmm. He's more like a, a, a the Phantom than than a, a Doc Samson. <laughs> Very few people are similar to a Doc Samson. That is not a it's <laughs> not an archetype you hear an, an awful yeah, lot. Yeah, the super strong psychiatrist is not exactly the archetype that you usually get. Super strong lawyer, a plus. Super strong gamma radiation physicist, obviously. Uh, super strong general who has dedicated his life and his mustache to hunting. Super strong gamma radiation fin- physicist, obviously. Duh. <laughs> but uh but no the doc samson is the rare one yeah he's the weird one yeah there's like so many people out there right now who are like who the fuck is doc samson who are they talking about <laughs> well don't worry join our bonus content we'll all be talking about doc samson hey if you're wondering who that is i think ty burrell played him in the ed norton hulk movie yeah he definitely was a character that did not get any of his powers <laughs> he was just like a psychiatrist and a friend of a friend of Betty, I think, or Betsy. Yeah. I forget. It's Betty Ross, Betsy right? Ross. Because Be- Betty Ross, one of them's the flag one, and the other one's the Hulk's girlfriend. Yeah, Betty Ross. Okay, <laughs> all right. Just making sure. Uh, one anyway, of the flag one isn't that right? Isn't it's Betsy Ross that that made the flag and or <laughs> apocryphally made the flag, and it's Be- it's Betsy Ross who's the, or Betty Ross who's the Hulk's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the Hulk's girlfriend made the flag. It's, it's So it's the same character. Yeah. Yeah. Canonically, the Red Hulk, the Red She-Hulk of the Marvel, of Marvel Universe also made the American flag. Yes. Canonically. Okay. Canonically. Yeah. That, I mean, <laughs> makes perfect sense to me. So they drop down out of the tube into a, like, motor pool. And they're like, all mm-hmm. right, let's take one of these and get the fuck out of here. And none of them work, and there's no buses or subways or anything. But luckily, they spot a a low-rent uh, gr- uh, ground-effect vehicle skimmer thing, and they're like, we'll just take that. Fuck it. Yeah, they just find essentially the same st- sort of speeder-type thing that, like, Luke had. It doesn't really oh, yeah. have a top to it. It's just sort of a hoverboard that goes fast. Yeah, the big difference being that the XP-38 that Luke had was an actual repulsor lift vehicle, where this thing is ground effect and therefore can't get more than four or five feet off the ground, no matter what. Yeah. So uh, so they they hop onto it and they start going down the highway towards the uh, the spaceport so they can get out. But obviously, some Espo is going to barricade the way from the only building on the whole planet that matters to the only spaceport on the planet. Yeah, and so they send out this, like hover van with a I love that it's just a hover van they just yeah, keep calling it it's just a fucking van it's a hover van with a cannon on top <laughs> and a wizard on the side <laughs> well yeah you gotta airbrush a wizard on a van it's got like some clone wars era jedi spray painted on the side all kiati mundi riding a unicorn <laughs> uh but they're uh, they're they're on their trail, and this time around, Han is driving instead of Recon when they went to the uh, actual center. So Han is just pulling out all the stops. He's making hairpin turns. He's doing dumb nonsense. Well, yeah, because at first he's being an idiot because he's just driving along talking with everybody on the, on the hover thing he's on, and then he almost runs right into the blockade. Yeah. So instead, he has to pull a hard turn and dive into the hyper wheat fields that this planet is made of ah the hyper wheat well it's like apparently like 12 foot tall wheat hey you know they grow big out there on oron three they mentioned that it's like a blend of two other kinds of wheat that's designed to be like extremely productive but they're they're now they're scything through the wheat in their ground effect vehicle which is fucking up the plants and the plants are flying over the the vehicle and covering it in wheat sheaves so now the planet looks like a float or the plant the uh their hover thing looks like a float but I mean, at least the fact that they are so low to the ground means that they are kind of hidden from view of anyone chasing them. 
which is helpful because there's all kinds of cannon lasers firing into the uh, into the area around them kind of blindly just shooting at the noise and uh they eventually uh cut through into an open area because this planet has like i honestly can i could not get a read on how big but like giant robo harvesters uh apparently absolutely huge uh but i mean like it's it's enough that if you high wheat. but if you it's big enough to fall off and not die so we're not talking like a colossus it's just sort of big mm-hmm like, I don't know if we're talking, like, 15 feet tall or 30 or what. Uh, yeah, there's no way to know for sure. I was guessing pretty goddamn big because Chewie had to climb up the side of it, and Chewie's eight feet tall. <laughs> uh, so they, they come into the path of an absolute, or behind, an absolutely colossal robo-harvester. Yeah, and an basically absolute this thing unit. Is, it's carving freeways into this wheat so that as soon as they're out there, they're visible. But they can also see where the spaceport is now, so they take a hard left and start heading for the spaceport, and then right behind them, from a different area of the wheat, pops the hover van. Yep, and uh, Han gets played here. Like, he tries to do some fancy driving, and whoever's on cannon was like, "Mm, no, I know what you're doing, and just calls his fake when he tries to juke and shoots them right in the engine. Well, it shoots the ground out from under them first, because it's a ground effect vehicle, so he just shoots a pothole in front of them. It dips a couple of feet in altitude and smacks into the other side of the pothole. Yeah. And then just grinds to a halt and gets shot in the engine beside, so they can't start it up again. And Han is, like, rattled and goes through the windshield, and he's like, ow, baggage claim to your left. Yeah, good. It's good to know that there's still baggage claims in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, the white zone is for loading and un- no, I do not want to talk about Hare Krishna faith with you. Uh, <laughs> Turns out Star Tours is canon. Funny story, even in the Star Wars universe, Delta Airlines sucks shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway... Uh, he gets completely ruined by going through the windshield. He's bleeding. Recon has to pull him to his feet, and then they continue to just sort of run with the group uh, towards the uh, what we the, the escape. They're towards the, the uh, spaceport. spaceport. The spaceport, yeah. and they run for a few minutes, and then Han's like, "Hold on, where's Chewbacca?" Well, yeah, because Chewie managed to get everyone else up and running before him. He mm-hmm. he pretty much like roared at uh torm and atuare and whatever paca. and was like paca and was like let's go so they ran off and it was uh Recon who got han up on his feet and was like all right we gotta fucking go but first let's hide out and Recon overcharges his disruptor pistol to make it fire one giant ridiculous blast yeah, and yeah. and just fucks the hover van yeah, he just blows the hover van apart. Like uh, he, he basically puts his pistol on melta settings. Yeah, and I mean his van. pistol is done now. It's a neat scene. It's Han looking at him, and he's like got a white hot pistol in his hand, which he just looks at and tosses aside. And Han's like, "What school did you teach at?" He's <laughs> like, "You know, if that had gone poorly, you could have just blown that up and killed both of us." And he's like, "Eh." Well, I, you see, I taught at a school in the inner city for twenty years, Han. Uh, now, if you'll excuse me, I need to take roll. A <laughs> A <Hey, hey>, Ron, <laughs> Jake Quellen. <laughs> no, Jake Quellen. You telling me there's no Jake Quellen? <laughs> you better be sick or dead, Jake Quellen. <laughs> uh, they run for a bit, and Han's like, "Hold on, where's Chewie?" And he's like, "Well, he must be in the cornfield." No, he couldn't be. He's the only person we'd be able to see in the cornfield. Yeah, he's, he he did something. He stayed behind. We got to find out what's happening. And it turns out Chewie was like, oh, I need to make a distraction because even though the hover van got fucked, there are a ton of Espos coming. So mm-hmm. he's like, all right, cool. I'm going to make a distraction to let everyone get away. My distraction is I'm going to get up on one of these gigantic uh, thresher machines and stick Blue Max into it to take it over and just have a giant thresher murder bot. <laughs> Which, honestly, the moment that they were like, there's giant threshers eating all the wheat, I was like, God, I hope they pull an Indiana Jones here. Oh, I was like, this has to take somebody out. Come on. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting to me because the first thought that, that Recon has is like, all right, great. Well, we got to leave them behind. We have to keep going. It's what they'd want. And all I could think was, wouldn't Recon be way more worried about losing Blue Max than losing 
Chewbacca. Well, I mean, he already I got mean, all he, the data out of Blue Max. Yeah, sure, he got the data out of Blue Max, but but they don't know exactly what Blue Max took. And if they get Blue Max, they will, and then they'll just move his nephew. Hmm. Hmm. But, uh, but I, I, for whatever reason, that does not come up. No, because Chewie gets on a fist fight on top of one of these things. Oh, this as is awesome! Blue Max is taking it over, Blue- so he's. They also decide that the bowcaster is uh, a literal crossbow and shoots bolts. Yeah, it shoots quarrels, as they're saying, which are actually physical bolts. I love this. There's all these things in this book that uh, that predate the encyclopedias of Star Wars that give us all the words for everything. For example, there's a point where, where Chewbacca yells in his own language, and his own language is Wookiee. Yep. Shrewook, as a word, does not exist yet. This is phenomenally cool. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, but anyway, while Blue Max is trying to get the thing under control, it's all lurching from side to side, and everyone's falling on their feet. Chewbacca manages to shoot one guy right off the combine harvester, and then tackles one of the other two while kicking a third one. But the third one hangs onto his foot, and it's just this awesome fight. Yeah. Now, eventually, uh, because Blue Max doesn't really see what's going on with Chewbacca, he's just trying to get a hold of the thing. Uh, he lurches too much. And everyone goes falling to the ground, but at least Chewie manages to get an Espo to break his fall. Yeah, <laughs> Chewbacca falls off this, well, let's just say 20-foot-high harvester, and lands on a dude, <laughs> and that's his, that's his survival pillow. But, you know, even as he's getting up all groggy and trying to figure out what's going on, he gets dogpiled by, like, 20 more guys. Yeah, he's just surrounded by these officers, and Han's like, all right, well, fuck everyone, I'm going to go back to help him. And Recon's like, you can only help him by leaving and then coming back to rescue him. Because if you run over there right now, you will also be captured. Yeah, and he's Han's like, like I, yeah, that sounds care. really great. But how about you go fuck yourself? I'm going to yeah, save yeah. my friend. So Recon grabs him by the shoulder and shakes him a bunch. But Han eventually turns around and is like, let me go or I'll kill you. And he's and, like, oh, and- I see that you actually will. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's serious. Okay. I guess I'll let you go. So he lets Han go and Han pulls his gun and starts to run over towards trying to rescue Chewbacca. Uh, just about one step before Recon hits him in the back with some kind of nerve punch. And he yeah, falls no, unconscious. he straight Vulcan nerve pinches Han Solo <laughs> and is like, and no, you're coming with me. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Chewbacca's managed to kick a few of the, uh, the Espos off of him, including sending more than one into the harvester. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, Blue Max is trying to help, but he's like, this isn't a precision, uh, like, robot. If I do try and swing down at these guys, it is just as likely I will murder Chewbacca. Yeah, and they're trying to shoot at the Harvester to stop it, but the thing's so fucking big and armored that they're just knocking useless chunks off the front of it. Oh, yeah, like, small arms fire isn't going to do anything to it. Yeah, so it eats several of the Espo soldiers, which is horrifying and rad for Star Wars. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> just dudes getting threshed. <laughs> but eventually, uh, Han, when he manages to regain consciousness and look up, he sees that Chewbacca is unconscious and being dragged away by Espo soldiers. Yes. And Recon's like, hey, man, this is the only way to rescue him. He's just going to get disappeared. He'll be with everybody else. We'll go find them all together. Yeah. Look, you want to help your friend? Then help your friend by getting the fuck out of here and not throwing your life away. And Han's and like, like, oh, fine. That's the end of the chapter. Chewbacca and Han separated. And oh my God, does Chewbacca get to do awesome shit in this book or what? I mean, compared to other books we've seen Chewbacca in. Oh, yeah. He's managed to fix the ship. He's beaten the Christ out of several dudes. He manages to laugh at Han a whole bunch. And now he gets into a rad fist fight on top of a harvester. Yeah, and he, he gets beaten, but it takes like 30 guys to do it. Uh, and I'm, I mean, up until this point, the coolest thing we've seen Chewbacca do is shake his fist at a moon. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm, I'm super excited about all of this. Anyway, that's where we have to end this week. Uh, we'll see you in a little while with yet more exciting crap, but goddamn. Also, John, who do you think is the traitor? And it's definitely Torm. <laughs> who do you think Torm is the traitor? <laughs> nah, it's Recon. Which Torm do you think the traitor is? No, it's definitely Recon. Recon's definitely the traitor. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would be ne- it'd be neat if Recon was the traitor. And I have read these books, but it was oh gosh, twenty five years ago. So you can trust that I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's very clear that it's not going to be the Cat Widow and her traumatized son. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, honestly, the moment that she walked in and she's like, I have a cute child. We were like, okay, those two are safe. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, uh, as always, we're going to have to go make some bonus content now. We have to. Got it. We, it's, a, it's a compulsion. We don't have a choice. <laughs> no, they not ape law. <laughs> Batman's got to fight crime. We have to make bonus content <laughs> and fight crime. And Batman. And we have to fight Batman. It sucks for us because Batman is Batman and we are not. Yeah, no, we're real bad at it. <laughs> but we got to do it. And it's just get, it gets worse every week. Anyway, to get your hands on that sweet, sweet bonus content where we go to Wikipedia, find fun stories and come back and tell them to each other uh, about dumb shit from Star Wars. All you have to do is go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash system mastery and support us at the two dollar level. That's right. Every single week you get some bonus content for this show plus at the two dollar level you unlock the system mastery bonus content too yeah, so much like six, stuff it's basically six hour long bonus episode well okay some of them are half hours but it's six bonus episodes a month at the yeah, $2 it's a lot level, of stuff which is, which is awesome it's a great deal so uh yeah go ahead do that check us Why out you so uh now Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in about a week with yet more exciting Star Wars content. And until such time as we do that, I've been Elan Sleaze Bagiano. And I love bollocks. Bollocks.